You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. In a world where film studios have pillaged every young adult novel, DC'd every comic book series, and Frankenstein every silver screen monster in search of the next movie mega franchise. Two nerds. Two movies. One cinematic universe. This is Matt. And this is Randy. And we watched two movies. And we are joined here today by a guest, Jerry the Gnome. Hey, how you guys doing today? What's doing well? What's going on, Jerry? Uh, not much. You know, I just doing my normal thing, protecting houses, fighting off bad guys, jabberwockies and such. You know, the normal stuff and troll, troll hunting, you know, good looking guy with a big beard, big pointy hat, you know, what we normally do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. As as a gnome as a gnome tends to tends to sport. Big totally. hat, beard. Well, okay, so people don't think they're going crazy. Uh, yes, that is a mythical creature we have on as a guest, but also uh, we have a guest co-host this episode with Matt. What's going on, Matt? Oh, not much. You know, I'm having a, a pretty good time. I had a heck of a time trying to get uh, get our good friend Jerry over here. He, uh, you know, he's uh, always popping about. He's got that weird, crazy power where you can, you know, break harp strings and wind up in. Other hey, people. man, don't be talking about that string theory. All right, all right, all right. String theory. Sorry, sorry Jerry. <laughs> So, so that's how yeah. string theory works. Yeah, I, who would have thought? I told you, stop talking about it. Look, you take a heart, you play the heart, it teleports you. Oh, shoot, now my daddy's going to be mad. I wasn't supposed to say anything about that. It's okay, Jerry, just take it easy, buddy. <laughs> First, uh, the, re- the reason we have uh, Jerry here today is because uh, one of the two movies we're covering on this episode, this very space-tastic episode is a uh, leprechaun four in space and uh jerry jerry's got opinions on leprechauns so yes i do they're, <laughs> they're don't I, I i promised that i would keep it clean but you know it's uh it's it, i have to say it's great that you guys finally decided to cover one horror movie and one documentary i mean come on everybody knows leprechauns are evil jerry how many times I got to tell you it's not a documentary? No, don't. I know it's a documentary. All right, look. We'll, All right, we'll save the argument for later. Okay, it's really a documentary. <laughs> well, so other than the uh, well-known documentary Leprechaun Four in Space, uh, we will also be discussing Jason X. That's right. We we did it. The slasher trash in space episode. That's what it shall be known as. <laughs> <laughs> space where no one can hear you. Applause, because no one's clapping for these movies. Um, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, we're going to talk about Leprechaun 4 in space. It's very important. It's not Leprechaun in space. It's Leprechaun 4 in space uh, and Jason X. Uh, but before we do, Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself. You you also talk on audio files that go out on the internet, a.k.a. Yes. podcasts. <laughs> Yes, I do. Um, when I'm not wrangling gnomes and mythical creatures, I uh, I have my own podcast, one with my kids called Comics with My Kids. It's a clean show because we cover comic books that uh, my son or my daughter are currently reading. 
And you can actually find that podcast on the EMC network, which is the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. My other show, which is more for um, the mature audience, not like, you know, hey, kind of mature, but, you know, regular, average, everyday person. I wonder how uh, well that's going to come across in audio form. (laughs) There was hand (laughs) motions with that, too, audience. If you don't know what he did, then it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) So what was it? Oh, yes. So I have the other podcast, which is the 60s Reboot Podcast. And uh, the premise of that show is that it takes a look at 1960s television shows and it puts the listener in the, the shoes of a uh, movie or television producer. And me and a co-host will recast a classic television series and then kind of talk about it a little bit and then come up with our own modern day take for said 1960s television show. Um, and as this recording drops the newest episode with uh oddly enough the co-host for this show is going to be on my show uh and that's gonna hit that's the where jasper on... went you stole exactly. him <laughs> i, I totally i i <laughs> that's very suspicious no jasper on this show where he should be and then suddenly there's a 60s reboot podcast episode with jasper on it huh Huh. Hmm. Maybe I should. St- I can't say. <laughs> I can't I- say whether or not he met a gnome. Hey, I had nothing to do with that. I did not touch that man. I would hope so. I would hope not. <laughs> yes. So if you want to hear Jasper, come check out the nineteen or the sixties reboot podcast at uh, emcpod.net slash sixties reboot. Um, only on the EMC podcast network. Yeah. Yeah, you can find that and more at electronicmediacollective.com. For some reason, I, I feel like I should also promote this thing. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, awesome. Dude, the 60s reboot is, it's fun. I've been on two episodes, and if I'm ever on it again, maybe we'll find a show that isn't about uh, magical women. But what's the fun in that? What's wrong with magical women? It's the only I thing I want. That's nice. the only thing, <laughs> right? Jerry should be a big fan of magical women. Matt, what uh, what should we start with first? We got Jason X and Lep Four. I'd say, how about since Leprechaun was the first one to uh, to break the gravitational pull of Earth, let's start with that one. All right, Leprechaun Four in space. Space, 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 space. Yes, that's what. Yeah, thank you. Nineteen ninety six. Overview on a planet in a distant galaxy. Far, far away. Doesn't say that. A power-hungry leprechaun holds a beautiful princess hostage in order to marry her for her royal title. With her title and his beloved gold, he'll be able to rule the universe while making his maniacal plans. Uh, What he doesn't count on is an invading platoon of marines from Earth in space, 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 to save the princess and foil his plans. An accomplished trickster... The leprechaun stows himself away on the orbiting spaceship. I mean, I guess he does. Man, I got... There's so many questions about this. Anyway, and wreaks havoc on the crew in an attempt to recapture his bride. This was written by Dennis A. Pratt, directed by Brian Treckard Smith... Trenchard Smith? Trenchard... Brian Trenchard Smith, uh, based on characters by Mike Jones. Let's see. Starring... Listen, there's some people, but here's the main one. You got Warwick Davis as the leprechaun. So 
and there's other people that soap opera stars and stuff. Yeah, hey, don't don't forget about Debbie Debbie Dunning. She was from Home Improvement, man. What? Really? Yeah, Debbie Dunning. She she was uh, the Tool Man's uh, uh, announcer. You're right. Oh wow. Okay. I well I did forget all about that. Good call. So, Leprechaun Four in space. Uh, first, let's go ahead and start like we always do. Matt and or Jerry, had you heard of this before? Had you seen this? What did you know going in? What are your initial impressions? Well, if, Jerry, if you don't mind, I'll handle this one to start off with. Yeah, all right, fine, fine. All right, go ahead. All right, so, uh, yeah, I had heard about this, um, and I think I saw this uh, back in 97, and probably saw about 15 minutes of it before I turned it off because it was, it was, <laughs> it was campy. Uh-huh. I mean... There's, there's certain times in, in, in movies we gotta suspend belief, and and I I just I couldn't suspend my belief when I was first watching it. But uh, when uh, when you decided that you wanted to do a podcast about a space opera, then I said, well, I'll get Jerry and uh, I'll 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 sit my way through this and and see what I can do about enjoying it. Well, you know, I heard about it. Um, in fact, I knew about it because it's a documentary. I know I said it earlier, and I'm going to stick my guns. It's a documentary about the evils of leprechauns. <laughs> now, leprechauns are not only here on Earth, but they're across the entire universe. Out in space, space, space. That guy, uh, what's his name, Trickard, or Mike Jones, or whoever produced this movie, you know, <laughs> he did a smart thing. He got Marines on a ship and flew them into space where he was able to record the destruction of a leprechaun. Jerry, it's fictional. No, it can't be. So, so Jerry, is this like a... Are you saying this is like an actual documentary we're watching real footage of leprechauns' exploits, or is this like a, a dramatic re... What do they call it? Dramatic re reenactment. I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see the very beginning where they normally say the events are inspired by <laughs> actual things. So I'm under the impression that they got a real spaceship and they got a real well, bunch of Marines. They looked real. Like, oh, yeah. Boom into space. Okay. All right, Jerry, this is where I have to remind you that <laughs> most movies, when they don't start off with this was inspired by actual events, is that it's fictional movie. Next thing you're going to tell me is that, you know, unicorns are real. Of course they're real, man. Did you see me ride one in? Let's just talk about the movie. J- Jerry, have you ever seen uni- the unicorn store? Um, yeah. That uh, would support your theory, actually. Maybe yeah, yep, see, right there. Yeah. That was a, that was a real unicorn and um, a real Brie Larson. <laughs> a, um, real, a real Brie Larson. So, Jerry, did you enjoy this? movie documentary yes yes i totally enjoyed it because the good guys win the leprechaun is uh is destroyed and um oh man i totally spoiled the end of the movie arguably though i mean the leprechaun was just kind of doing his own thing going about his business and the marines the space marines they uh they're the ones that kind of rolled in and start started some some trouble and stole his would be his fiance and his gold. 
Yeah, but if you look, she she was clearly kidnapped, and those Marines were definitely there to rescue her. Um, you know, Jerry, you might have a point there, but Randall has actually a better point. <laughs> the leprechaun was just minding his own business. You know, he was he was dealing a transaction with a royal member of a family. Albeit he he did it in nefarious means, but I, I, I mean, mean it's no different. Yeah, how, a business transaction. How he was going about his initial transaction wasn't necessarily the, the on the level, but so I had never seen this before. Oh, that conversation we just had really kind of makes me want to get into the plot a little bit of this. But first, I had never seen this before. Obviously, I had heard of it. It's it's Leprechaun in in space. I know I've seen the earlier ones, maybe the first one or second one. I can't think of which. I'm not sure which one all the way through. And I had seen Leprechaun in the hood. But I'd never seen this one. I didn't really have a desire to. And it's going to be hard not to compare this a little bit to Jason X because they're so similar in ways. But both of these movies, Leprechaun 4 and Jason X, start off and I'm like, oh, God, these these feel like made for sci-fi channel movies from like 15 years ago when that was really like bottom of the barrel stuff. The difference between this and Jason X is Jason X, eventually, you kind of start to, like, see where the money went. This one just feels like that the whole movie. It just feels... It doesn't even feel like a made-for-sci-fi movie. It feels like a a cheap sci-fi TV show that, that nobody really put a lot of investment in. They're just like, whatever's going to run at 3 in the morning, it doesn't matter. It, it felt more like a TV show than a movie to me. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there, because, I mean... I think they spent all their money to pay Warwick Davis for being in the movie and maybe the makeup for the leprechaun because I, it was such a low budget. Yeah. I mean, half the set pieces I could recognize from the, from the dollar tree where <laughs> everything is literally a dollar. I mean, I, I don't want to delve too much into the plot just yet, but there is a scene where they're in a bar and all the bar glasses, <laughs> I kid you not are <laughs> yeah. plastic glasses from, from the dollar tree. I've, I've seen those exact glasses. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I'm like, so they have these, they're just like, obviously, pla- that's, they're not even, it's not even glass. They're, they're pl- obviously plastic, swirly, neon colored, like see-through cups. And I'm like, is that, those are supposed to be future cups, huh? Like they're supposed to be futuristic club cups. Uh, no, no, that's not working. Yeah, it is, it is pretty low budget. And speaking of like, so all the money must have, I mean, it's still, they're doing a space thing. I get it. Like that's going to be expensive, but yeah, I don't, I don't know how much here. I'll tell you, actually, I won't tell you. There's no information on the budget. Never mind. Um, (laughs) You just uncovered it. That's what the movie was for. It was to hide. It was, it was for embezzling money. It was like a Russian money, money laundering deal. (laughs) It was 96. Steam wasn't around. They couldn't launder it through like crap indie games. So, <laughs> or mattress stores. Or, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if all the money went to Warwick Davis and the Leprechaun makeup, in my opinion, they put the money in the wrong place because that was my least favorite I thing about this movie, I think. <laughs> uh, this was tough, man. Like, I mean, it wasn't up to, the, it wasn't that hard to sit through, but. It's not good. It's not good at all. There are a few glimmers of something where I'm like, this could almost work. Like at first, you first, like it just drops you into 
Space Marines. Uh, at first, I was like, oh, the, the, the lieutenant or sergeant or whatever, like he's got this metal plate on his head. I was like, oh, that makeup's actually pretty good. And then he turns his head and you can see where it's obviously like the fake skin <laughs> and plate are like pushing his ear down. And it's so like, it's obviously, they didn't even, oh, it's so bad. And I'm yeah. like, oh, nope, never mind. So it drops us in immediately with that. They're going to some planet. That's all we know. And it's super typical, like. Uh, army space marine movie well, typical space marine movie you know all the space marine <laughs> yeah, like, movies like aliens <laughs> I guess right but it is like the typical like army rah rah you got the drill sergeant style guy shouting orders and all this but they're gonna go to some planet we don't really know what but then it's also intercut with the leprechaun just chilling with this uh, princess who was locked up and like basically trying to He's not forcing, he is forcing her into this arrangement, but he does kind of bribe her into this arrangement to like agree to marry him with, cause he's got all this gold and stuff. And at first I'm like, it's, it's so you've got, you've got space Marines. And then all of a sudden it's so jarring to jump into, like you're in this random cave with like magical creatures. You got the leprechaun and this princess lady who's just kind of like this chick with glitter makeup but i'm like so it's so weird to have this fantasy stuff but then i was like wait but that's what it is it's just fantasy stuff they're just mixing this, these these fantasy mystical creatures with space sci-fi and i started to get a little bit on board because i was like why not because you can't go into it thinking it's a horror movie and that was no, my no, you can't. it's not a horror movie it's a documentary <laughs> You can't go into it thinking it's a a horror documentary because that was my initial that was my initial mistake and when it switched over to the leprechaun stuff I'm like oh this is so bad but I'm like wait why not it's it that's wacky and I'll maintain through the whole thing it's it's not horror at all it it goes it goes for comedy comedy sci-fi fantasy I think it it, it fails but if you go, if you look at it from that angle, it's easier to get on board with. Yeah, I I, I can see that. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a mix of the three. It's hard to even say when I was. We'll get to this later, but uh, you know, tr- uh, it's become a tradition on Grolic Cinematic Universe is if we're doing a slasher movie, I'll have your kill counts later, and we can talk about maybe our favorite kill or whatever. But uh, when thinking about this movie, I'm like, but this, is this even a slasher movie? I mean, it's got, I guess it's got that structure, but this does not feel like Jason X at least still feels like a slasher movie. This does not feel like a slasher movie. You know, if I had to put it with a, a particular monster slasher kind of movie, I would, I would make this fall into like that mythical pumpkin head and, um, yeah, like monster. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's more monster and than than slasher. I mean, come on, you got to wrap your wrap your mind around the fact that it's a leprechaun on another planet, not necessarily the same leprechaun that you've seen in one through three. Obviously, there's. I mean, that's I hadn't dropped you right in the. I hadn't contemplated that at all. Actually, I assumed it was the same leprechaun just because it's it's Warwick Davis and stuff, but. I guess it wouldn't have to be the same leprechaun. I just assume it's like he's got a life outside of these movies. He's been, you know, when he's not in the hood, he's 
romancing space princesses out in space because he's got magical powers and can do whatever he wants. But I hadn't contemplated that, you know, maybe this is just a random leprechaun out there. I mean, the movie opens up. You don't they don't establish where he's at, how he gets to that planet, how he got the princess. I mean, he just you you see the princess and then he just shows up. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm a leprechaun. Look at me. Hey, you do that pretty good. You sure you're not a leprechaun? No, Jerry. I'm you not make a Jerry leprechaun. real nervous. <laughs> he knows where you sleep, man. Don't make him think you're a, like a, a leprechaun double agent. <laughs> you're kind of tall for a leprechaun. Well, you're trying to kind of short for a gnome. It it should it it should be noted, listener, that there's a there's ancient lore that details why Jerry the gnome is at odds with a. Uh, leprechauns they, they're they like natural enemies and one day i will have my war journal as a podcast i i promise you that it might be <laughs> it might be way in the future when i'm out in space and i'm fighting leprechauns out there who are who are making deals with royal family family and i had to go in there with some colonial marines and say hey hoorah so this could almost be the jerry story <laughs> So go back to the to the to the main point I was making is that yeah it, it is funny that it just kind of it just kind of drops you right in the story and mm -hmm. they don't have like a way of establishing anything. It is definitely off putting right from the bat because it drops you right into the Marines section too and like you don't all you know is they're going to capture a creature on this planet. Was that the princess? Because the scientist obviously knew there was some creature that he wanted on this planet. But there apparently was no indication it wasn't the leprechaun, and they. It seemed like it was the princess, I guess. Yeah, because they never really established it, and I, you think it's the princess, or at least that's who they take, and uh, <laughs> they blow up. There's, I'm just baffled by the leprechaun because okay, so he's got magical powers. So what you could have in terms of a leprechaun slasher movie, because his powers are not well defined. He's basically Bugs Bunny. He's basically a, a, a horror Bugs Bunny. Dude, later, later, because he can't die. Like, they kill, spoilers, they kill him at, at the end. But it's obviously established early on in this movie that he just can't die. Because they blow him up until some dude takes a pee on him. And then he comes back. But it, he didn't necessarily come back because the dude took a pee on him. Because they blow him up, blow him up again later and he just reforms. And it's like... So he can't die. So what you could have with his weird mythical powers, mystical powers, is like Freddy uh, Nightmare on Elm Street style, like weird magic slasher deaths. But they don't really do that. <laughs> but the reason I say he's like Bugs Bunny is because at one point they need to go into this the uh, waste facility or whatever, and they have to put suits on. Otherwise, there's uh, flesh-eating bacteria and when when they get in there and they're trying to find this leprechaun because it still is treating it like a horror slasher thing where they know he's in there somehow when you then see him in there he's in his own little like biohazard suit and i'm like what where did he get his own little biohazard suit this is a cartoon man he's bugs bunny like he doesn't need that <laughs> uh, yeah if he can regenerate what? Then why is he just walking around in the in with the flesh eating bacteria? And it looks just like theirs, <laughs> but it fits him obviously. Oh, uh, it's so it's it's so wacky. I'm sorry, I feel like I sidetracked something you were saying. 
it's okay. This is a much better, <laughs> this is a much better track to be on. That was, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. That was just something. Okay. So speaking of now that said, like his one-liners are awful. You would think they'd have something to do with the person he's killing or the scenario. They don't. They don't have anything to do with, like, anything. They're just bad one-liners. You're definitely not going to get, you know, he's going to kill somebody with a surfboard and say, surf's up, you know? I will say, though, there are a couple scenes where this movie almost really works for me. I hated everything with the leprechaun. For the most part, I hated everything with the space marines. The one stuff that I actually was kind of on board with, and there was one scene that actually got a chuckle out of me. I love the stuff with the scientist. I love the mad scientist stuff. I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. But when when the mad scientist is revealed and he's there and he comes out and he's basically like an arm and a upper torso, an arm and a head stuck on this machine. I kind of loved all that stuff. Some of that I thought worked really well for me. There wasn't a whole lot to it. And they end up doing a very obvious, I mean, they direct reference the fly (laughs) towards the end. He's like, help me. Yeah. So they, they go completely mad scientist thing with him, but I kind of liked that stuff quite a bit. And it seemed like maybe that's when the screenwriters liked it too, because that's the only time the humor worked for me. The only time the humor worked for me. There's even a scene where like the boot camp Marine, the boot camp, the, uh, what, what would the sergeant or whatever. I'll call him the drill sergeant, even though they're not in boot camp. The drill sergeant Marine guy is basically like renegotiating their terms with him because they're, so they're Marines, but they're obviously also like soldiers for hire. Yeah, is, I didn't quite get that. It, it seemed like they were, they were like mercenaries. mercenaries. Like contracted but, mercenaries. But I guess maybe in the future, that's what Marines are. So I who, who knows? governments are now underfunded so they 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 lease out and contract out their military military to uh mad scientists who have robots and and everything the drill sergeant type guy is not not a bonehead but he's what's the word i don't know he's just all testosterone and but when it comes time to renegotiate their terms at first they're like well how much you gotta pay us to stick around blah 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 and he's like uh, 100 times what we're paying you now. And then the drill sergeant instantly launches into like, and this is where it's kind of humorous is because it's the way they go about it is totally like, it's how movie producers negotiate terms where they're talking about points on the back end type situation. You know, I want this much percent and this much and this many points off the mineral rights. The mineral rights, when he said that, I was like, oh, I see what you're doing here. At this point, and there go a quick, it's like a real quick back and forth between him and the scientist guy. This could work if there was more, I don't, I don't want to say it's clever, but fun humor in it like this. And then everything else in the movie, everything failed for me. I, everything was bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it did seem like they, they poured more of the writing into the into the mad scientist B, C plot. Well, yeah, probably the C plot. And, you know, you're a big doctor. You're, you're a Doctor Who fan as well. Mm-hmm. But when they did that reveal, did that remind you of, of an, a particular episode of um, – of Doctor Who? I've watched a lot of Doctor Who, so it reminds me of like three. <laughs> three? <laughs> I'm not sure which one you're going for, but it reminds me a little bit of lots of Davros. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, who's like the guy that made the Daleks. Just because yeah. he wheels around in a chair. But also, there's this little nasty green dude who wheels around in a chair in some of the older ones. Uh, and it oh, reminds yeah, me yeah. of him a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like Jerry knows uh, him. 
the one the one that 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 I was reminded of is um, the the David Tennant Christmas special Voyage of the Damned, in which you you meet um, Max, the uh, the guy that owns the Starship Titanic, and he comes out from behind a wall the exact same freaking way that this yes, guy did. And I'm, yes. I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, this was in '97. Doc, this Doctor Who episode was like in in 2007, 2008, somewhere around there. Probably yeah, and I'm ten like, years. That, I'm like, somebody had to have seen Leprechaun 4 and went, that's an idea. I'm taking that. <laughs> I, oh, my God. I love and am horrified by the thought of Doctor Who writers being inspired by Leprechaun 4 in space. <laughs> but I can totally see it. The Doctor Who comparison's not that far off. I could envision a Leprechaun in space story told through Doctor Who. Maybe not necessarily, not this Leprechaun, but I could see that being a thing. So maybe in a way that's why this at least the concept could work for me because it's just one of those wacky like let's take a our usual let's take the space setting and mix in these weird elements it's space with a mad scientist a la the fly but also with a leprechaun and space princess with um mystical royalty and it's it's everything mix it mix it all together get a spider scientist arachnid creature at the end <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it hits it hits all the elements of a Doctor Who episode. I does. totally agree. I mean, this is clearly a Doctor Who documentary, Doctor Doctor documentary about leprechauns and and space operas, and it totally, I totally get it. Five stars, man, right there. Make that a Doctor Who episode. Somebody get somebody get uh, Chris Chibnall on the phone. I'm gonna I'm gonna go see him and and talk to him about that. Five stars uh, from Jerry. <laughs> totally, because this is a documentary drama horror <laughs> docudrama <laughs> okay well let's go ahead and do the slasher rundown here all right all right cool this is technically a slasher movie so we had a total of eight kills for this movie but seven of those can be attributed to the leprechaun can i ask you a quick question please out of those eight out of those eight are you counting the two times the three times if the leprechaun dies. No. no oh, man. you know what? So if you want to count the leprechaun once, it'd be nine kills. But he does get killed like three times. See, I told you, they are evil, manipulative creatures. We don't always run down every kill, but these are all pretty short. And they're ridiculous. And it reminded me of something I wanted to mention earlier, but sidetracked myself. There's several scenes where the leprechaun, see, he's magical. He just has a gun at one point. Or at multiple points, but there's several like <laughs> shootouts against the leprechaun. Like the first time they encounter him, it's a just a shootout, a gun shootout, like people hiding behind rocks and then like jumping out and shooting guns, <laughs> at, including Why the leprechaun. Magical? I'm like, what? What? Okay, so the first kill, we have a soldier who was hacked to death with a lightsaber. That nope, lep- it was a light shillelagh. You don't want to get sued. It was a light shillelagh. <laughs> well, yes, it was. I would. <laughs> that is appropriate. Of course, it glows green. Let's talk about Kowalski, because he's the one that uh, the leprechaun smuggles himself on board through Kowalski and his <laughs> his private bits, I guess, because the leprechaun <laughs> emerges from his crotch, <laughs> and that's what kills Kowalski. 
You don't evident evidently. It's all under the pants. You don't see it happen <laughs> until the leprechauns climbing out the uh, fly. But uh, it's weird. Like what? <laughs> what is this? No, the best the best part is the reaction from the female marine. I I I, I blame myself for killing him <laughs> because he got a heart on. Well, uh, the drill sergeant type guys like you know that doesn't sound terrible. That'd be the best way to go. He went saluting or whatever like that <laughs> yeah. and she's like and then she looks at him like oh really <laughs> and, he, and the drill sergeant gets this like disgusted look like what why are you why does that turn you on <laughs> uh mooch oh okay mooch his death made me laugh so he gets the biohazard suit cut he gets eaten by flesh-eating bacteria Okay, this part's funny. If the, if there was more of this, I'd have been on board with this movie more. Uh, but his buddy's running with him to trying to get to the airlock to get out of this waste area. And the guy's like, I mean, he's not fine, but it's obviously the guys in the suit running along with him. And then when they open the door, the lady looks at looks at the one soldier is like, "Are you guys okay?" And the the soldier goes, "It's Mooch." And then looks, and the camera pans, and he's just straight up a skeleton in the suit already. <laughs> There's no human to him. He's just a skeleton. And it's like, if they didn't do it for laughs, they stumbled across a, a pretty funny bit. You know someone in the prop department goes, hey, we have the skeleton. What can we do with the skeleton? I got it. We'll have a flesh-eating bacteria eat all the flesh off of them in one frame. Dude, that's it. That's why it's so funny, because you expect... It hasn't hardly been any time. Like, you expect the camera's going to pan over, and he's just like, maybe they'll do some gross, like, face makeup. Instead, it pans over, and it's dollar store-style skeleton prop <laughs> sitting there. And it's like, what? <laughs> Let's see. Dolores, she... Oh, no. Danny get, oh, Danny boy gets <laughs> squished by a space crate. Dolores is the one that gets thrown... Why does her death have weight? It doesn't, but, I mean, they tried to give it weight. She gets thrown off the catwalk. They actually go. She's one of the few. They go and find her afterwards. And she's not quite dead yet. And she's like, kill him. And then dies. And it's like, why did. <laughs> did anybody actually care that much for that character? I assumed she got thrown off the catwalk. We don't have to see her again. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> she must well, have been friends was, with somebody on set. She was, she was, she was probably the second. She, I mean, she's Debbie Dunning. She's on top. She's on home improvement. She was the second highest paid person on the, on the set. Oh, they had to give her, they had to give her some kind of gravitas. That's a good point. Harold. Oh God. This is where it goes. Full cartoon. Harold is like the mad scientists, um, oh, God. sniveling assistant. <laughs> this is a bugs bunny death. This is d no lie. Like not even they went out of their way to make it cartoony because the leprechaun like mine throws a, a plate at him basically. And it, hits him in the head and then falls down and they've done this like cartoony where his head's like round and smashed flat but he's still got a face and he's like whoa, whoa, whoa. and then he falls over it's like what okay okay see Bugs Bunny Bugs Bunny you put Daffy Duck there and it's it's a Looney Tunes cartoon no yeah exactly I mean that's yeah just picture that but with bad horror movie makeup from the 90s <laughs> the sergeant well it turned out he was like android anyway but he gets electrocuted to death and that's 
that is the leprechaun's fault, but the leprechaun doesn't actually kill him. He puts like a whammy on him, turns him into a very conflicted uh, cross-dresser, basically. It's very odd. That whole scene plays out so strange. But he keeps attacking our remaining survivors, so then they essentially electrocute him. Uh, The doctor, frozen in liquid nitrogen and gets blown up. Which, by the way, I'm pretty sure they reuse a few frames of his explosion, which I thought looked pretty good for when the leprechaun explodes out in space. And I was like, that doesn't look good. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It was pretty uh, pretty weird. Okay, and then the leprechaun blown up in space. Wait, what about the princess? Did they save her? I don't remember. I'm kind of drawing a blank on... on Did she just... If she died or not. What happened? Oh, she got sucked into space, I thought. Because wasn't she in the cargo bay when the doors opened? Maybe. Okay, because I know we actually, we don't have the final, there is like a final girl in this, but it's not just the final girl, kind of like our next movie. Uh, There's several survivors. The black guy who I was like, all right, another one that didn't kill the black guy first (laughs) off. Like he actually survived. They fake you out with a, a death for him. And then it turns out, no, he's he's actually around and he sticks around and he's one of the survivors. I was like, all right, good. And then you get the final girl and then f- final girl love interest. He's kind of set up as the hero of the of the of the whole story. You got hero, final girl, black guy tropes, yeah. and they all survive. Yeah. And when I say black guy tropes, I mean <laughs> that sounds terrible, but like in a lot of these, there's only one. There's only one black guy. And, you know, traditionally, you know, a slasher movie, they don't last too long. But no, not in this case. I'm just quoting Scream, but usually the black guy dies the first. Exactly. I mean, it was Scream 1 or 2, they, like right off the bat, the black guy died. Well, that's kind of like, you know, it's interesting because we talked about the first three Friday the 13th earlier. Like we kind of kicked off the season with those. And those defy that convention, too. Uh, I, I don't think there were any black people in the first one. but No, it was completely whitewashed. I think the second one, there was a black guy who was there in like two or three scenes and then just disappears from the movie. So it's like, well, I guess he <laughs> technically didn't die. He just wasn't around for filming. I don't know. And then the third one had one of the biker guys was a black guy who you thought got killed kind of early on and then shows up at the end to help he ends up getting killed, but he shows up at the end in the barn. And it's like, whoa, you did a tough dude. And then he gets killed right away. But he made he was like the last to die. So that's something, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, no, that's like the, yeah, that's kind of the trope. But so far I've found maybe we've just hit the movies that defied the trope. What's your favorite of these kills? These ridiculous, ridiculous kills. Probably my favorite is the, uh, the lightsaber shillelagh. <laughs> really okay yeah because okay and, and and going into it i'm like oh wow they actually they actually took some time and and ripped off george lucas and so you see the leprechaun show up he lights up the lightsaber and then they cut away the guy's face and they're like okay well he cut off his leg and then they cut back to the leprechaun for like a, an eighth of a second you don't see you see very little blood you don't see a missing leg because evidently they didn't have the budget to have a guy like right. stand on one leg and then they cut back to his face and he goes <laughs> As though he gets hit again. <laughs> it's not done very well, no. So it's like, okay, were they were, were they trying to make it suspenseful, like with Jaws, and not show the shark? You know, trying to make it suspenseful, like not showing his leg getting cut off. <laughs> I don't think this. 
I don't think this show has tried to do anything suspenseful like Joss. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say the best looking one is the scientist because, I don't know, the makeup's bonkers. And then the liquid nitrogen and and the explosion stuff, I thought that looked pretty good. looked pretty cool. I was a little surprised by it. But but my favorite kill is going to be the flesh-eating bacteria just because of that comedic <laughs> moment to where the camera pans over and you're expecting to see like some guy all disfigured. Instead, you see just a bone-dry skeleton in a suit. You're like, what? What? <laughs> Space bacteria, man. It, it, it's fast acting. God, we're almost an hour on, the, on Leprechaun 4? <laughs> you said it, man. The really bad ones run long. Uh, yeah. Hey Jerry, do you have a favorite uh, favorite kill in this in this uh All right. I, I, I yes I do. I mean, I can't believe you guys went so long without addressing me. You know, I'm only the guy that wanted to do this movie in the first place. <laughs> so look, all right. My favorite death sequence was right in the beginning when they take that thermal detonator from Star Wars and they throw it at the little guy and he jumps on top of it. I'll give him props for saving the girl, but then he blew up to smithereens and like all these little parts and there's bits flying everywhere. Like, you know, like he took a freaking meat bomb and stuffed it with an M80 and lit it and it just shot like meat everywhere. I think that's pretty much how they shot it. Although this is a documentary, so it really was a leprechaun that fell on the thermal detonator. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was my favorite death scene was actually the first leprechaun death. I kind of wish that he would have done it and then the movie would be over because, you know, leprechauns are tough, but, you know, you sever its head. Cut him up, blow him up. He ain't coming back. I don't care what that movie says. They're not coming back. I'm actually, I'm on board with you there. Like, they should, they should have, because they do. Like, in 10 minutes, they blow him up to nothing. I would have been fine if the leprechaun was then done and we just continued the movie with this mad scientist story. I could be on board with that. (laughs) That, Yeah, that should have been the movie. (laughs) Right? Star ratings. Uh, Do you want to take the lead on this? I know Jerry already said five stars. He's a, he's a big fan of this uh, cautionary documentary. Yes. Yes, I am. I'm going to spread the word everywhere. Five stars for Leprechaun 4, the documentary. Me, personally, the movie was definitely high camp. The story was definitely uh, something that, that needed something more. I walked away from this movie wanting, wanting something different than what I got. Mm-hmm. But with what I got, the amount of laughter... And just this, the, the plain straight camp, I, I'm I'm gonna give it like like two and a half stars. Oh, okay, okay, that's that's not bad. That's not bad for a Leprechaun movie. I'm gonna shoot a little bit lower. I'm gonna go. I gotta go one and a half. There are some, and, and the one and a half are for the scenes that I do enjoy. There are a few parts like the skeleton bit and the like negotiation, uh, uh, and some of the other stuff with the scientist. I like that stuff. It. it cracked me up it was amusing but man everything else was rough everything else was just not that entertaining and it's like it's on funny and it's not necessarily them trying to be funny and failing it feels like them like knowing they're supposed to be funny but they can't really think of anything so whatever they're just gonna kind of crap some stuff out like not really (laughs) trying that's what it felt like and that's like dude in a way that feels worse (laughs) So yeah, basically one and a one and a half star because there was some entertainment here. There's some okay stuff, but 
that's it. Only one and a half because this is a Leprechaun movie and the Leprechaun aspect altogether was my least favorite part of the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, that's where I sit. Nice. Hey, you know what? I just want to change my camera just a little bit. Um, I'm still giving it two and a half, but I'm giving it two and a half boom mics that you can see fall into the frame of a movie. I don't know if you caught that, but no. there was two scenes where you can see the boom mic come down and then the sound guy goes, oh, crap. And pulls it out of the scene. No, I didn't notice that, man. It's it's in uh, it's in like the first five minutes of the movie. You they establish the the leprechaun walking in, and it's this big wide shot, and you can see the freaking boom mic hanging in there to pick up Warwick Davis's lines. That's hilarious. This is it's got all the hallmarks of just a terrible cheap movie, and <laughs> they didn't care. They didn't care. <laughs> Oh, the no. sets, the sets were so bad. That cave looked so bad. Well, from one space station to another, our next movie we will be discussing. Hopefully, not quite as at length as we discussed <laughs> Leprechaun. I don't know how long the edit's going to end up being, but uh, <laughs> we went on about that way longer than I thought. Uh, Jason X from two thousand one. In the year 2455, Old Earth is now a contaminated planet abandoned for centuries. A brown world of violent storms, toxic land masses, and poisonous seas. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true, but they, we, we only get to see a little bit of that. Yet humans have returned to the deadly place that they once fled, not to live. I kind of feel like this, this is already like, <laughs> dude, this overview, this synopsis is already putting more lore into it than the movie itself put into it, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have a feeling the script wasn't written this well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to research the ancient rusting artifacts of the long gone civilizations. But it's not the harmful environment that could prove fatal to the intrepid young explorers who have just landed on old Earth. For them, it's Friday the 13th. And Jason lives. Who wrote this overview, man? <laughs> they they were feeling it. They were feeling it that day. I, I think it was whoever wrote the first script. <laughs> right? <laughs> none of that is established in the beginning of the movie. Dude, no, I mean, they hint. Uh, you kind of get it. But, yeah, it's not established at the beginning of the movie. And they don't really go into that kind of detail about it. Screenplay by Todd Farmer. Directed by J, uh, James Isaac. Starring. Uh, this is one of the Kane Hodder, Jason Voorhees movies. Uh, this is the the fourth and final time he played Jason on, on the screen. Although he did do motion capture for that Friday the 13th game that came out a while back. And as we touched on in the GCU Friday the 13th special, it'll probably be a, a good many years before we get another Friday the 13th movie because the rights are all tied up in a lawsuit. This also has Lexa Doig, Doig, uh, Chuck Campbell, Lisa Ryder, David Cronenberg. What? Yeah. You didn't recognize him? No. He's in like the first 30 seconds of the movie. Oh, God. Cronenberg pops up at the weirdest stuff. It's so amazing because you see Cronenberg and he pops up in a lot of stuff and it's either like weird indie movies or bad horror movies and it's like Nightbreed. <clears throat> Nightbreed. okay yeah i did not realize he was that was him amazing uh well whatever let's let's get on with it uh, i'm sure <laughs> there's other people too you know and other people 
that you probably know. We'll, we'll call them other Jason Fodder. <laughs> <laughs> Kane Hodder and Jason Fodder. Get it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's a pun. <laughs> okay, so quick. I'm going to do my own little rundown of this super quick. This also kicks you right into it. Uh, Jason is being held in this very minimalistic looking dark uh, setting. He's chained up by some military types. Well, I guess by a scientist, but like guarded by military types. Military types want to take him. Scientist lady's like, no, that's a bad idea because he's Jason. He's going to escape and kill everybody like he always does. And then they're like, we're the military. And then he escapes and kills everybody like he always does. And then final girl, scientist, battles him into a cryo chamber. Jason's got some, dude, he's got some stabbing force. If he can stab through the wall of a cryo chamber pod, (laughs) but he stabs her. So cryo chamber gas escapes and they're both cryogenically frozen until the year 2455. A whole bunch of lore that's not really talked about, but this overviewer, man, he knows all about it. And uh, so space people come and find them and take them into their spaceship. And now we have Friday the 13th in space. And that's how it proceeds. So, Matt, had you ever ever seen this before? And what were your initial what are your initial impressions? Yes, I had seen this before. It was part of a whole my friends and I got into a Friday the thirteenth. Hey, let's watch all the Friday thirteenth movies because the new Jason X is coming out, and then we'll go to the theater and see it. Oh nice. And then and then we went to the theater and we saw it and we were horribly, horribly disappointed. <laughs> right. <laughs> because at the same time we're watching it, I look at I look over at my, my my buddy and I go, Hey, is this Andromeda? <laughs> right oh my god dude <laughs> because two of the actresses are from andromeda i'm pretty sure that some of the special effects was was from gene roddenberry's andromeda dude maybe like producers also had a hand on that show and it's just like can we when you guys aren't can we borrow some of the sets and maybe some of your actors <laughs> <laughs> we need some props for this jason movie can we just use some of your uh <laughs> sci-fi show props and by props i mean actors send them over <laughs> <laughs> now I had seen so much of this that I thought I'd I dude I've never actually watched this all before like I've never sat down and watched oh, this really? whole thing I was actually I was surprised myself but I'm watching it I'm like especially the opening I'm like I don't think I've seen this but I've seen the kills I've seen clips of it in so many things like I had seen so many chunks of this that I had thought I had actually watched the movie I mean the st- story is exactly I kind of knew exactly what the story was so like that's not surprising because it's a Jason movie, but uh, yeah, no, I was I was a little surprised that I hadn't I hadn't seen it before. This is my first time actually properly watching this movie, and yeah, it's 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 not great. It's not great, <laughs> dude. Again, it starts off and like I mentioned specifically, the very dark, minimal sets that they're holding Jason in. It starts, and I'm like, dude, this is a bad sign. It again. It looked like a low budget, made for Sci-Fi Channel movie or something, but super low budget. I, I get working with what you got, but like it just looked really bad. And I'm like, it's just big open warehouse. Like that's they're not even gonna dress up the set. They're just gonna make it dark. That's wow. <laughs> but then they actually they get they get into space and uh, the CGI spaceships look marginally. They looked awful until I watched this before I watched Leprechaun 4. They looked awful until I watched Leprechaun 4, and I'm like, oh, no, no, that CG's awful. <laughs> and I, and 
given, you know, Leprechaun 4 was 96, there was quite a jump in, in CG available by the time even 2001 rolled around. But the sets do look better, but it does look like, it looks like an Andromeda. It's all super brightly lit. It's not, for the most part, I mean, there's some dark scenes, some dark sets, but it's not lit like a horror movie. It's lit like a sci-fi television show. I found that off-putting. Honestly, I think I watched it in the right order because I watched Leprechaun 4 first. So when I seen how bad the CGI was in that and then I saw Jason X, I'm like, oh, this is so much better. This is easier on the eyes. Dude, I kind of – easier on the eyes. Oh, it's something that we didn't get into on the Leprechaun stuff. So you you had bought Leprechaun. You you bought it. You purchased that. I seen it. You purchased <laughs> – I'm yeah. sorry, sir. You had to pay for Leprechaun. It was, I, it was pretty cheap, I see. But you bought Leprechaun yeah. on Amazon. And allowed me to watch your digital copy. I don't know if that's proper or not, but you did. Did Amazon not have widescreen? As far as I could tell, the only version they had was like this pan and scan version of Leprechaun. And I'm like, I I think it was shot in in four by three because I didn't see anything listing it as anamorphic or. uh, Yeah, I tried to look it up too. There's not a lot of information. Maybe it's one of those things where even if it was, it was or wasn't like, they're just like, it doesn't matter. Here, Amazon. It's going. It's going right to VHS. So we're just shooting it for VHS. Amazon. Amazon's like, we. What do we get? A uh, Leprechaun movies. We can stream Leprechaun movies. You got a DVD copy? Just rip it, because <laughs> that's what it looks like. <laughs> it looks like a DVD rip. This anyway. The the version of Jason X I watched was much better, but you're right. I should have watched it in that order because Leprechaun sets the bar so low that I think. Then going to Jason X is like, oh, refreshing. Okay, this is all right. <laughs> it, which actually made me improve my score for Jason. That's why Jason X gets a better score. <laughs> now, listener, we're going to be talking about a lot of Friday the 13th this season because there's two more Friday the 13th dates coming up by, by the end of the season four. We will have covered 10 of the 11 Friday the 13th movies this season. So I'm sure I'll say this again, but this movie kind of comes down to my general beef about Friday the 13th movies. It's like, dude, make a good horror movie. Like, why does it have to be a cheesy Jason movie? And this movie is really strange because it's not like they don't have the blueprints. Same with Leprechaun, but Leprechaun, I feel like they weren't even trying. They, they weren't trying for a horror movie, but like this, you have the blueprint. Look at alien, any of the alien movies, even the bad ones, just look at them. You have the blueprints for how to do a, a stalking slasher style monster movie in space. You have the blueprint. And I guess this kind of follows it a little bit, but I don't know. I guess it's true to what it's supposed to be. It's Jason in space. So all the characters might as well be camp counselors. They're all ditzy, supposed to be young. Most of them are students, but ditzy students who are more interested in in sex, despite the fact that they're like supposed to be space scientists, basically. Right. So I don't know. I'm torn because like some of the stuff that makes it bad also is appropriate for the series because the series as a whole is not great. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a, it, it is a campy series. Yeah. Quite literally. literally. Pun, pun, pun intended. That said, we don't get to see much of the world and the characters that we interact with here are pretty shallow. They're what you would expect for the most part in a Friday the 13th movie. But I feel like this does a lot better world building, or would it be universe building in space? Anyway, <laughs> than Leprechaun, because the captain, the lead scientist or whatever, the captain of the ship, he's kind of a shady 
he has monetary motivation for once they figure out Jason's not dead, he's alive and he's killing people. He doesn't want them to kill them because he had a video phone chat with a a guy and basically he's going to sell Jason and this woman that they picked up because they were cryogenically frozen. They were able to revive the woman. They thought Jason was dead and he wants to sell them off to this guy or sell them and make a whole bunch of money. So basically he's a dirtbag who is going to risk their lives and not to mention basically human slavery with that by selling this woman off, you know, for money. But just that like phone conversation that he has with this guy, it did well at implying like there's a bunch, there's like this whole like economic system set up for basically space scavengers to go and find like old artifacts, including people that are alive. And then it also talks about, cause the guy's like, well, you're not really going to get much for this woman because yeah, she's like over 400 years old, but a hundred years ago, they started waking up cryogenically frozen people. And so there's all kinds of people that are walking around that are like hundreds of years old at this point. It's not a big deal. Um, just that I felt like kind of was an interesting bit of, I guess, lore. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Leprechaun, I guess there's a little bit of lore with this like space royalty, but eh. <laughs> and it's interesting that they chose that particular way to to introduce the quote Voorhees character because I mean it, it's like all exposition that oh here's this Voorhees character or this Voorhees body that you found is that Jason Voorhees it's like it's been 400 years since he was cryogenically frozen at the beginning of the movie and they he recognizes the name right off the bat no I, I think that's funny but it, you're right it is totally it's exposition that's that whole thing they're stumbling into what I felt was interesting world building was just their way of like explaining to characters who shouldn't know who Jason is, who Jason is. Yeah. As far as the effects though, I did like how they did the the nanites to show the future technology. You know, they had, I thought that was really good. You know, they managed to capture the whole, you know, circuitry looking thing as they covered up the, uh, the one, the one body of, of uh, a woman they found. I thought that was really neat. And they seemed to have, Story-wise, I mean, they had a great concept going for how to bring back Jason in the future. No, I think you're right. And I think if you throw out the characters and the dialogue and just look at the story beats and kind of the ideas behind it, like, it's totally solid. It's it's a, I don't know if I'd say smart, but it's a fairly smart way to throw Jason 400 years into the future in space to get him there. I feel like the android lady... And her maker slash boyfriend was kind of an interesting thing just because they had some type of hook to yeah. work with. They Out of all the characters, they seem to flesh those two out. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I'd, I'd say, like, the main three characters, Lexa Doing or Doing or whatever her last name is. And then those two characters and then the professor. They seemed like those were the ones that they were going to flesh out. And then everyone else was just, like, secondary characters. On another hand, though, they did a great job compared to leprechaun four in the fact that they had more characters they were able to able to at least get more of a scope you know mm-hmm. so if there's a crowded scene there was more than six people in the room way higher way higher uh kill count on this one when we get to it <laughs> how many people were on that space station dude that's the one thing like i have the actual like characters that we know of died but then if you throw in the fact that they accidentally <laughs> 
that was one of my favorite parts of the movie. They accidentally plow it, plow through part of the space station that that was the, kind of their last ditch effort, and then and then uh, they plow into this through part of it, and it, the entire space station explodes. I think one of my favorite lines in the movie is so the one guy in the back looks at the screen and goes, "Well, we overshot it, but we can at least just turn around." And then as soon as he said, turn around, <laughs> the whole freaking space station just blows up. <laughs> yeah, I, that might have been my favorite moment of the whole movie. That was my, uh, you know, Leprechaun 4 skeleton moment. Because it's, <laughs> it's 100% played for laughs. And I seen it coming. I was like, oh, oh. And they actually kind of nailed the timing. I, I thought that was a pretty good moment. It was funny. And that's where, because for the most part... It's kind of both the downside to slasher movies, but also kind of what makes them not horribly depressing is that you don't really care for almost any of these characters. Towards the end, it does kind of get you on board with some of the characters, I think. So that goes, like, it gets you on board with basically, you know, spoilers, the final group. The final girl, I think she's okay. There's not much to her other than she's smart. I guess she's tough. Like, she knows Jason. And that's her thing from the very first scene of the movie. She knows yeah. Jason. Everybody's going to underestimate him. If I was to compare her to a, another character from another franchise, I would say she's like the Professor Loomis character from Halloween. In the fact that, you know, she took care of. Yeah. She basically was in charge of Jason while he was in the incarcerated in the Crystal Lake. What do they call it? The Crystal Lake uh, penitentiary <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Cause, yeah, like Crystal Lake Research Facility or something something yeah. ridiculous. Yep. They had to tie Crystal Lake into it. The android and her, her maker guy, they were all right, I thought. It's like, okay, yeah, I kind of want them to survive. And Sergeant Broski, who is this movie's black guy. <laughs> Actually, he's not the... I don't believe he's the only black guy in this movie. There's a, there was a couple black guys, but... He's the one that like kind of makes it towards the end, kind of. He follows in the yeah. tradition of Friday the 13th Part 3, I think it was, where he's the last to die, basically. And he's he's kind of the hero of the whole movie. He is. He's He is the hero. He saves them. But before that, like I don't know why. I guess it's just like he's just a tough, honorable soldier type guy. But you you get on board with him. I liked him. I thought he was pretty good. You know, when I saw him, I'm like, oh, it's that guy. He's like kind of shows up in a lot of movies. I'm like, man, what's his name? And I always remember him as the guy who gets kicked into the hole in uh, 300. Sergeant Brodsky is his name. <laughs> the website yeah. I was looking at, <laughs> something to do with the Dead Meat YouTube channel. They they called him Broski, which is kind of funny. But Peter <laughs> Mensa is yeah. the guy you're talking about. The characters that it fleshes out a little bit more than a lot of the obvious ones that are going to get picked off does well enough to where by the end you're like, yeah, I, they they could survive. They're fine. But I'm also not going to be heartbroken if they don't. And that's, like I was saying, kind of the... Uh, that's what makes a slasher movie not a horribly depressing thing because if you really felt the weight of people being murdered for over and over for the whole movie, slasher movies wouldn't be as fun as they are. Can you imagine, like, Martin Scorsese directing a slasher flick? How many characters you would you would have, like half an hour or an hour of build up their background before they die. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> I think about that. I was I've been thinking because there's a lot, you know, in a slasher movie, a boring kill is just like somebody gets a knife to the gut or something. They just get a stabbing and then they're they're done. It's like, ah, oh, that was boring. But then think about saving Private Ryan in that horrible scene where the one little mousy guy is fighting off the guy towards the end and he gets the slow like stab into the chest. Dude, yeah. that scene can mess you up. And it's like, imagine if every kill in a slasher movie had that kind of weight to it. Oh, yeah. They wouldn't be fun. They wouldn't be fun at all. No, no, they wouldn't. But I think you're right about the 30 minutes of character buildup. They'd also then have to be like, 18 hours long. <laughs> <laughs> Which reminds me, I read somewhere that this, of the Jason, of the Friday the 13th movies, this has like, the kills come more frequently in this than I think any of the other ones. I know it had a lot more, um, what were supposed to be jump stairs. Like the one scene when the, the two teenagers just finished having sex and then the, the, the door opens up and Jason's like right there. Uh huh. That was like, oh, hey. And then he comes crashing through the the glass in the laboratory. Yep. It was like, yeah, those those were the two that I wasn't really expecting it. Well, I got like you. Was... Some, of the, some of the jump scares. Yeah. Okay, so here's kind of the things that really stick out to me. The android character is interesting. I wish they actually could have like explored her more in less cheesy ways. But, you know, whatever, that's okay. When... <laughs> He gives her the upgrade and she actually like defeats Jason. Why? Why did she defeat J- because she can do karate kicks? Like why is it that why were her guns suddenly so much better than the entire mi- mi- like military squad that couldn't <laughs> couldn't defeat him but you give a robot powerful handguns and she can blow him away? Because all her little super cheesy like leather outfit and jumping around didn't really do anything. It was the fact that when she shot him, it chunks of his body blew off. Why were the military guys not using those guns? <laughs> maybe maybe as part of the upgrade, they upgraded the ammunition. I guess. Yeah, it was a bit uh, a bit a bit, a bit hokey. And you can tell that this is a post Matrix movie. Oh yeah, because they they like tried to speed up her fighting style, but not in a good way. You can kind of see that they like tried to trick the camera and, and increase the frame rate. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it basically every movie that came out after the Matrix that was trying to do Matrix things, it looked like that because none of them got it right. They all looked cheesy and cheap and uh and in this it felt i don't know it just felt really weird but the that might be the most sci-fi tv show sci-fi channel specifically tv show moment of the whole thing is just she got an upgrade so now she's awesome and can jump around although i do buy like him taking the machete to her and it not killing her and that surprising him i guess i I like that idea to where it's like no yeah she's not human (laughs) But yeah. then they immediately followed it up with just like super cheese, but whatever. It was fine. <laughs> I do. I did end up enjoying where she's just like blowing them up to pieces. Probably should have recognized that. Hey, that's that's he's laying on one of those tables that ran that rebuilds dead things. So uh, maybe let's not leave yeah. him there. 
yeah, as I say, an entire spaceship full of scientists and student scientists, and no one thinks, hey, let's move this decapitated dead body away from the uh, the the medical unit so he doesn't come back to life. No, no, we'll just leave him there and pray that the machine doesn't suddenly turn on and we get Uber Jason. Other ideas in this that I really liked that I don't feel like worked <laughs> didn't weren't executed very well was the virtual reality thing where the guys are playing like the, this virtual reality game. The, the CGI was very bad, but it was supposed to be a video game, so that kind of makes sense. But I do like that Jason stumbles into this virtual reality game and is trying to kill the people. And when he also, once again, looked very confused when he slashes through a guy and the guy's just like, oh, what's this? What's going on? Like he doesn't die. But then, of course, he kills them after <laughs> the yeah. game turns off. And I do like how they use that later with as a distraction uh, with the fake the fake uh, camp girls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and I want, that's what I want. One of the things I wanted to bring up was the distraction VR scenario. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is, is when they're in the, the uh, when they're in the sleeping bags <laughs> and the way he kills them in the sleeping bags <laughs> where he's beaten one with the other one. <laughs> and, then, and then just, that's not enough picks her over her shoulder and starts throwing her up against the the the, the tree the tree i love <laughs> i love that because okay so first off yes when they're both in the sleeping bags and he's beating one with the other is hilarious and then the tree bit is a total throwback to um how what's kind of considered one of the best kills of the franchise is he does that i can't remember which one it is offhand but he does that to a character in another Friday the 13th movie where they're in a sleeping bag and he just like <laughs> picks it up and slams it against the tree. And it's one of the ones that was famously edited down. They couldn't get an R rating. And basically as the series went on further into the eighties, they started cracking down on violence in these movies, in these horrible slasher movies. So that's one of the ones that kind of got censored, so to speak. <laughs> And so specifically that kill where they're beating them against a tree that's supposed to go on way, like way longer than it did. Anyway, <laughs> call back to one of the more like notable kills of the franchise. So I appreciated that. <laughs> and of course, Jason becomes ridiculously on ridiculously unstoppable. But I feel like as the movie goes, it actually gets better in my opinion. Like the last third I think is pretty decent because it does a good job of it. You've got Jason, who's this unstoppable killer, but then you also have all the other stuff, all the space stuff, the, uh, like, you know, <laughs> we just kind of blew up this entire, uh, space station and, uh, now we're stuck out here in space. You've, you know, stranded, uh, the ship is about to, it's coming apart, you know, and then, uh, basically they do really well at ratcheting up the threat, the, um, What's the phrase? The, almost like the anxiety. Yeah, it builds tension because it's like, you got Jason and this issue. How are they going to fix this issue while avoiding Jason? And then, oh, this issue's almost fixed. Nope, it just all went to hell. Now there's a new issue. Like, it d builds and builds pretty well. All still while, of course, having Jason being the ever-present threat. <laughs> so much so that even... <laughs> You can't kill him because then he gets rebuilt as a uh, cyber Jason, super Jason. I think he's often referred to as Uber Jason. Yeah. 
not having actually seen this till this watch for this episode, I was so worried they were going to super shredder him. I was like, (laughs) because he gets turned into cyborg Jason, basically starts coming after him. And immediately they basically blow him out the car. The, he gets blown out the ship into space. I'm like, did they just like upgrade him and make him awesome and then kill him immediately? It's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 all over again. (laughs) Super Shredder is the coolest, except he dies instantly. (laughs) Uh, But that's not the case. In fact, he's even more tough now. And he he can can survive the vacuum of space. He can survive the vacuum of space and punch through the whole, the The hull of a spaceship. Yeah. And I'm intentionally avoiding talking about some of the deaths just yet because that leads to one of the best <laughs> oh with the great the great because as soon as the it was, great it was a great death oh oh jesse watch out someone's coming for your uh your pun title <laughs> your pun pun crown you gotta have one or two in, 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 in an episode I, I i do like how the movie ends so like i said for me overall it was kind of weak but there are some high points and I feel like it as it gets towards the end, it, it kind of gets better. Do we want to get into the kill count and all that? Sure. Okay. The totals I found were there's like 25 characters that get killed, which is actually a very substantial body count for a slasher movie. Jason himself can be directly attributed to 21 of them. There are caveats to a couple of these. For example, one of the characters blows herself up because she freaks out, locks herself in the only escape pot, escape ship, and then tries to take off without disconnecting basically the fuel hose and blows herself up. <laughs> so that's not really Jason's kill. And then uh, the kill immediately, you know, after that is Waylander who sacrifices himself trying to blow up Jason, which obviously didn't work out too well. That one you can kind of attribute directly to Jason in a way. And then the one we were talking about with the great, Jason caused a hole, but it's being sucked through this hole into space that killed a a character. So anyway. Physics killed the character. Right? (laughs) And then Sergeant Broski, he's pretty much dead, but he died fighting Jason. And... uh, I mean, really, Jason would be dead again there, too. But it's Jason, so he never dies. Would he be dead? Maybe not. Maybe there's a couple <laughs> ways he could get out of this pinch. Hey, I think that landed in a lake. Right? <laughs> it's so funny. Okay, so a slight spoiler on my pitch. I do have to take that angle. But oh. I'm sure you do, too. But guess what? Neither you nor I are the first because there have been comic books that are direct sequels to Jason X that also do that. Oh, nice. (laughs) So that's the obvious thing to do with the end of this movie. (laughs) And then there's the two virtual girls. Do they count? I I think they do. Um, I I think so. They're not actual characters, but they are kills, kind of. I had the same issue when we talked about Freddy versus Jason uh, last season before last because it starts with a couple of kills, but they're like imaginary dream girls. So I didn't know if those counted or not. 
But yeah, so anyway, Jason gets like 21, I think 21 total directly direct kills. I actually feel like this movie's pretty good about the kills. It starts off a little weak, you know, he kills like, there's like seven military people that get killed off right away. But once he gets into space, I feel like all the kills are pretty, and not all, but most are pretty inventive in terms of slasher movie kills. Do you have a favorite? Because I know there's one that everybody always like, there's, everybody has a go-to and I'm curious if it's that one. Honestly, it's the, it's the sleeping bag stuff. That was that was my Fun. my favorite. Okay, that's why I want to count them because I mean it's it is hilarious just the, the sheer cartoonishness of it. <laughs> yes. So the a lot of people's go to, and I think the one that is more commonly like referred to or mentioned when they talk about crazy Friday the Thirteenth kills is the uh, frozen face one gets brought up quite a bit. Oh right, and that I is, forgot about that one. I feel like that's one of the more brutal ones for sure. You get a couple, there's like, you know, somebody gets their back broken and somebody gets a throat cut. Like there's a couple not super inventive ones, but whatever. Like you got 20 something kills. You, you know, you got to tread, retread some ground here and there. But uh, I had mentioned the, the great one sucked through the grate into space. And that one amused me because like as soon as the grate got s- <laughs> sucked up to the hole to where it's not just a hole in the ship sucking everything out into space. It's this very small hole with a grate over it. And I'm like, oh my God, someone's definitely going into that. (laughs) And I didn't know how they were going to do it. And they actually, the way they did it, I think is what (laughs) amused me so much is because there's one chick and you're like, you're like, yeah, she's definitely, she's done because everyone else is pretty much out of the room. And she's the one like struggling, getting sucked up, like trying to hold onto the ground. Once she finally does let go or gets pulled up and towards the hole, like you just kind of get a zoom towards the hole and then it cuts. Like you don't actually see her hit the hole or anything like that. It just cuts to a close up of the hole. Like you hear the sound and then there's just a couple little chunks on the grate. I'm just like, (laughs) oh my God. I mean, it's probably the easiest way to do that, but also super effective. Super effective. Yeah. They didn't need to much, go ridiculous gore makeup on that one. Much better use of the cutaway than um, than a lightsaber shillelagh. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I know, uh, I think on the GCU Friday the 13th Halloween special, or I guess it, that's not it, Friday the 13th special. Uh, Paul had mentioned the corkscrew one where it's basically there's a big drill. And as soon as I seen the drill, I'm like, somebody's going on that. And somebody <laughs> does. A dude gets thrown onto it and yeah. then slowly, slowly twists. <laughs> twists down. And I was like, dude, that is that's super twisted. That No pun intended. <laughs> it's super twisted that like, it's like, yeah, that's probably what would happen. But the timing of it is comical in a way that it's like, Whoever come up with that's real dark, <laughs> real dark. Because <laughs> you know, again, it's, it's physics. If you have a, a, a some a weight on a curved item, it's going to follow that curvature. Yep. <laughs> somebody, somebody sat there staring at a drill and was just like thinking about this, like, hmm, <laughs> dark. Uh, some of the other ones are kind of weak, but I do. I want to say though, the one. That you mentioned the 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 one kid like opens the door and then gets stabbed. He like he gets stabbed in the gut with <laughs> with a machete 
And does he, he then turns around and Jason pulls the machete through him backwards. So he pulls the handle section through the dude. And I was like, yeah, Oh, that's a little extra nasty. <laughs> what do you think of the look of Uber Jason? I'm so torn. Cause it like in concept, it's cool, but really the mask is kind of weak. Like I like the metal Jason mask is cool, but like, I feel like the shape is kind of overdone. Little, yeah. It's still off. Yeah. I mean, the way they kind of like split it at the top to make it look less like a hockey mask and more like, it's like a skull, you know? Yeah. Star rating. Uh, since I made you go first last time, I'll go this time. I'm going to give Jason X two and a half. I kind of expected it to be lower. I enjoyed this more than I had anticipated, but it's also not great for all the reasons I said. It, it definitely gets stronger towards the end. This, I feel like they did a few kind of interesting things, and there were enough interesting ideas, even if they weren't executed that well, that I was like, yeah, I mean, it's not a good movie, but you basically made Friday the 13th in space, and it kind of worked. So there you go. I'm on board. Uh, two, <laughs> two and a half. <laughs> that's me. That's me on board. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll see your two and a half stars and I'll, I'll raise you uh, three only because like I said, I had seen this right after watching Leprechaun four. So it was a lot easier <laughs> on the eyes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a much better thought out story as opposed to, Leprechaun 4 and, and some of the other Friday the 13th movies. It definitely does have a, a lot of the campiness and cheesiness to a, uh, a slasher flick. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say just a little more than middle of the road. Towards the end, it, it definitely got a, a lot better as far as the kills, how, how creative they got with them. Definitely used more of the set than you know Jason just throwing a machete through a guy who's running away from him. Poor David Cronenberger. <laughs> God, I can't believe that was him. Oh, oh my God. Did Jerry have any thoughts on Jason X? I totally forgot about Jerry. <laughs> oh crap. I forgot about him too. Nope. Nope. I, uh, I, uh, I watched the movie and I gotta say it was kind of cool with the, uh, some of the kills, but, uh, yeah, uh, there was no leprechauns. There was no gnomes. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I just ate my popcorn and watched it. <laughs> so if there's no leprechauns or gnomes, you don't, it doesn't really. Nope, nope. Register. Now, if he had, if he had picked like you know, Jason Nomeo, I would watch that. Is that or, a thing? Uh, Nomeo X. <laughs> Nomeo or, X. Uh, See, that's or, more or of or like Nomeo X. I imagine is like the Malcolm X of no movies. Totally. Him and uh, Martin Nomeo King. Okay. Okay, Jerry. <laughs> We're just going to stop traveling down this road. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Okay. You might want to cut that one out. <laughs> it's not bad. It's just like, it could go in a weird way. It could go weird places. Yeah, it could. So, gentlemen, the movie studios, yes. the movie studios are looking to, uh, you know, Star Wars isn't it's not doing so hot for Disney. So they're looking to see what else they, they own or will soon own because they own everything. Uh, <laughs> and with, you know, the Joker doing so well, being like one of the highest grossing R-rated movies of all time, they feel like, you know what? It's it's time to step out and do, do some more R-rated movies 
for the mass audiences, but in space. <laughs> and, but of course, they can't create a new character or a new license or new IP. That's that'd be madness. So they they just pick up a couple of long running old <laughs> characters that. Wow, I'm gonna have to loop the background music on this for a long time. Uh, old <laughs> characters that uh, they don't think anybody really thinks about anymore. So how would you combine Leprechaun Four in space with Jason X? Wow, into one space fantastic slasher cinematic universe <laughs> I was waiting for you to say why'd you say her name why'd you say Martha <laughs> why'd you say her name where's the trigger combine all the <laughs> Batman <laughs> old chum <laughs> Jason in space I can't, I can't do it, but I know that's the to- like the way he does it. I need some shark repellent in my spacesuit. <laughs> Have they done Sharknado in space yet? They will. They will. Uh, okay. Well, you're the guest. I'll give you the option. Do you? Would you like to go first? Or, sure. Okay. Sure. Hit us with it. I'm super excited. All right. So, uh, what 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 year was was Jason X? It was like twenty. 20- 2485 it is 2455 okay 2455 so i'm working on the premise that 2455 the leprechaun movie and the jason movie kind of kind of happen in the same let's say decade everything happens in jason x jason's mask or body falls into the, the lake the last thing we see is his mask floating at the bottom of the ocean or the i'm sorry the, the lake Meanwhile, across the universe, all that stuff happens with the leprechaun. I'm working on the premise that the the princess from that planet died. So her father finds out, and so he decides that he's going to hire a bunch of merchant marines, colonial marines, whatever they were, to try and find the creature that killed his daughter. That winds up taking him to New Earth. What we find out is that the survivors from Jason X were on their way to New Earth when they happened to come across a bunch of space debris. And one of the things in the space debris was a leprechaun arm. <laughs> Who and peed on so, it? Does, does somebody pee on it? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But they use the they use the medical bay nanites to examine the arm and he discovered that, Hey, it's got these magical properties and they bring the leprechaun back. Conveniently, the medical facility is next to a camp on a lake that's called new crystal lake. And the leprechaun goes crazy and starts killing everybody in this, in this facility and comes across these campers who had found this mask. And for some odd reason, the leprechaun puts the mask on and it becomes Leprejason. <laughs> Le- Le- Lepre- I was waiting for the name. Leprejason. Okay. <laughs> That's fun. So now there's this Jason Voorhees leprechaun running around Crystal Lake killing campers because for some odd reason the magical 
nanites and the curse of Jason have now combined into one uber monster. And the only person that can save them is the woman from Jason X that survived teaming up with the king from that other planet. The Oh, the king? <laughs> the king from yeah. the planet that the space princess is from? Yep. Okay, that's fun. I like that. Are they going to fall in love? Sure, why not? <laughs> you got to have, you got to, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm injecting it, stuff into your cinematic pit, universe pitch. But you got to have, dude, you can't have one of these movies without having some, some type of love interest situation. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much my pitch. We could probably run with like two or three leprechaun, Jace, leper Jasons, Jacecons. You could really play up the comedy aspect of like, uh, you know, final girl is is dating the king and uh, the princess is just a total snob about it and hates her. And, uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and somehow we have to inject a, instead of a lightsaber shillelagh, it's a lightsaber machete. <gasps> oh my God. Why didn't... <gasps> Why didn't they do that in Jason X? That's actually, <laughs> I kind of like that idea. <laughs> All right, dude. I like that. Lepra Jason. Vor, Vorhicon. <laughs> <laughs> That's when all the like mechanical stuff like activates. He becomes, he transforms from Lepra Jason into Vorhicon. <laughs> when you add gold into the mix <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah. okay so here is here's my pitch so the first movie in in this cinematic universe is called leprechaun versus jason colon in space colon <laughs> colon episode one colon the farce awakens <laughs> I really should have stopped after in space, but I kept going. <laughs> okay, so it's going to share a lot of similarities to yours, um, but I'm going to try to like embrace the stuff that sucks about what they've done, like Friday the Thirteenth movies, and kind of traditionally how team ups with Jason have worked. Okay, so Jason X. We open right at the end of Jason X. As Jason plummets to New Earth, fortunately for him, landing in a lake before he got completely burned up. Now, while one hitchhiker, one hitchhiker of his burned up upon reentry, and that was poor Sergeant Broski, another <laughs> another hitchhiker did not. You see, because Uber Jason picked up a hitchhiker while flying around in space battling with Sergeant Broski. Because, uh, you know, Uber Jace is flying around in space without a suit. That hitchhiker came in the form of a space bacteria that's been floating around for roughly 350 years because uh, Leprechaun 4 took place. Um, I don't know if they even say this in the movie. Maybe they do. But according to Wikipedia, it took place in 2096. So, no. so basically, after Leprechaun 4... Even though this isn't the case, there's several sequels since then. Chunks of chunks of the Leprechaun. Maybe it's because of like the way the vacuum of space works. He couldn't really pull himself together, and pieces of him been fly, floating around for 350 years. And uh, so you you know, Jason came into contact with a little Leprechaun bacteria, Leprechaun. 
We got to stop it. We got to stop trying to combine these things. Backrick Khan. <laughs> Even though there wasn't too much left to Jason when he landed in the lake, because, you know, <laughs> re-entering New Earth's atmosphere with uh, without a suit is pretty hard on you. Um, it's basically some metal Uber Jason parts and a little bit of original Jason tissue. And the space bacteria. So uh, once again, fortunately for Jason, the space bacteria and Jason's natural unkillableness, his weird magical unkillableness, combined with the familiar environment of a old funky swamp, Jason (laughs) was able to reform. And uh, I wrote some of this out. Allowed him to once again Live, because Jason lives. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And so what this movie is, so we have Leprechaun versus Jason in space. And in the tradition of Jason Takes Manhattan, two-thirds to three-fourths of the movie will not take place in space, just like Jason Takes Manhattan. Most of that movie took place on a yacht that somehow traveled from a lake to a river. Uh, (laughs) But uh, the two-thirds of the movie that doesn't take place in space will be kind of a traditional uh, Friday the 13th because it's it's Jason. It's kind of resurrected, kind of uber Jason. And since he did burn up a bit, we could get to do another redesign, which would be fun. And uh, attacking your typical camp counselors on New, new Camp Crystal Lake on new, because, of course, New Earth, for some reason, has a new Crystal Lake. However... Where the Le- Leprechaun versus Jason thing comes in is we're going to also then take the angle of Freddy versus Jason. And even though it's not, it is a big chunk of the movie, Freddy's not even like really out and about most of that movie. He's in Jason's head, much like the Leprechaun, who, <laughs> because he's kind of entangled in Jason's DNA right now, and Jason is unstoppable and unkillable, he's having a hard time like separating and or taking over. So, He's he's in Jason's head kind of controlling him. But of course, Jason is really driven by Mother Pamela, who's also, you know, the his whatever mental version of Mother Pamela that normally drives him to kill is also in there. So he's got battling Leprechaun versus Ma- Mother Pamela voices in his head for most of the movie. So you get a rather confused, <laughs> conflicted Jason t- trying to kill his way through teens around this, uh, around this lake. Eventually... Uh, the leprechaun does manage to regain some control and pushes Jason towards figuring out, like, you know, Jason's not smart, but the leprechaun's smart, so he figures out how to, like, kind of direct Jason towards the nearest uh, space taxi so they can get back out into space because you know what? You know what the (laughs) leprechaun's been thinking about for 350 years? His little tiny shrunken bits of gold are still floating out there in space. (laughs) Somebody's got his gold and it ain't him and he's unhappy about it. And so that's how we finally end up in space. There will be some type of battle between uh, maybe once he gets out in space he can figure out how to separate himself. We'll have some type of battle, but that'll essentially set up the space opera in which every movie starts with a scrolling text, something about, uh, you know, in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> but in the future. And we <laughs> we have the saga of uh, the leprechaun trying to get his gold back and uh, Jason and yeah, it keeps going. <laughs> 
I got a feeling someone's going to sue somebody. <laughs> somebody's going somebody's gonna to sue somebody. Nah, if, if Disney doesn't own the rights to everything already, they will eventually. <laughs> Is New Line Cinema still a thing? They're probably owned by Disney by now. <laughs> 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 this whole, like, this whole uh, rights issue with Friday the 13th, you know, this is a waste of their time because eventually Disney's just going to buy it all. <laughs> I know, I know how the leprechaun can get get out of out of Jason, same way he did it out of Kowalski. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow. Except Jason's Jason, so it's not going to kill him, and that'll dude, that'll make for a very interesting scene. Exactly. Oh, we can really play up the <laughs> where Jason suddenly has a, a trouble in his pants, and there's there's a bulge and he's battling with it and uh you know mother pamela voice is like jason what are you doing you're disgusting (laughs) just like those disgusting teens that let you drown and and then uh you know whatever leprechaun comes out (laughs) (laughs) leprechaun comes out jason keeps chopping it down (laughs) oh god this is getting real dark chopping it down with the machete but it's the leprechaun so he keeps just regrowing and that'll go on for a little bit till finally he's like completely out I'm sure we could throw some type of like, I don't know, what's hip? Our uh, Viagra joke still hip? We'll throw a bunch of those in. <laughs> Why not? That's, for, that's always hip. Viagra ain't going nowhere. The Insight commercials? Yes. One of the campers looks like the guy from the Insight commercials. <laughs> yes, that's right. This is Dan. <laughs> oh, man. Obviously, we have like the save setup. It's just like you can kind of go different ways with it. But I played with a couple of different ideas, and ultimately, I was like, "Dude, I was when I watched Freddy vs. Jason the first time back in the theater, I was so disappointed." And part of it was like, "So is Freddy just going to be in Jason's head this whole movie? Like, what is the deal?" Uh, so I had to like follow. I had to go with that a combination nice. of like, "Why isn't?" Jason actually in Manhattan most of this movie, and why isn't Freddy actually around most of this movie? <laughs> Does Jerry have a pitch? <laughs> Keep forgetting. Hey guys, did you forget about me? I got a short pitch for you. Yeah, Jerry, let's hear your pitch, man. All right, so here's how it goes. So Leprechaun's dead from the from from the end of the fourth movie, and uh, Jason's pretty much dead from uh, well, presumed dead. Now. Uh, Here's what's happened. So, on New Earth, there's a bunch of gnomes everywhere that are kind of like a police force. And uh, much like your pitch, the uh, the bacteria of this leprechaun, which is really just a magical pixie dust, is floating around in space. And uh, that uh, rescue ship winds up flying through the pixie dust, and it gets stuck to the hull. And so, when it lands, it has to go through decontamination. And the gnomes there kind of scrubbing around, going, hey, this, this looks like pixie dust from our leprechaun wars. And uh, so next thing you know, he, uh, he gets infected. And then he becomes an, a leprechaun, which creates this great big war. And uh, so the gnomes have to enlist some help from uh, local heroes. And they just happen to come across this uh, body floating in the water. And it comes alive, and we realize he's a non-stoppable killing machine. So they enlist this guy named Jason to uh, help fight the leprechauns. The only problem, though, is because he's an unstoppable killing machine, he pretty much kills everybody in the entire movie, including those darn tootin' 
Great looking gnomes. The end. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> All right. Th- thanks, Jerry. First off, I like the idea of J- Jason's the hero. <laughs> and uh, it also it also kind of started off as some like fantasy fulfillment type thing. Well, hey, Matt and Jerry, thanks to both of you for joining us this episode. Hey, no problem. Yeah, thanks. No problem, man. Hey, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, where can people, you got anything you want to promote? Where can people find you? Oh, well, let's see. Um, I'm always popping around. I, uh, been kind of editing and trying to, to get my war journal into a uh, podcast or something that I can put out there on the uh, interwebs so that people can know about the realities of uh, leprechauns and how evil they really are. And, you know, watch movies like uh, Leprechauns 1, Leprechauns 2, Leprechauns 3, whatever comes after. He went to space before he went to the hood, and he <laughs> went to the hood twice. There's Leprechaun in the Hood and then Leprechaun back to the Hood. <laughs> Those are after Leprechaun 4 in space. See, I told you, he gets around, he's evil. Yes. <laughs> so you could probably also hear me over at Matty D's podcast, uh, the 60s reboot. And then I'm, I'm doing commercials and stuff for other podcasts. Uh, you know, I did a, a great, a great um, pod edit commercial. For, uh, you, did, you did do a great pod, ed- pod edit commercial. I love that commercial. You know, uh, let's see. Uh, that's about all I got. Um, if you want to follow my rantings and ramblings, just uh, go out to a forest and uh, put your ear up against a tree and you might actually hear me talking. If you want to email me, you could always email Matty D at his podcast and he'll get the word to me. Uh, that is, his email is, uh, well, I'll let Matty D tell you. Yeah, um, my email is uh, 60sreboot at uh, gmail.com. Is there anything else you want to add, Jerry? Uh, no, no, no. I'm, uh, I'm pretty much uh, blunt buckered out because I've been talking this entire time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> hey, Matt. Uh, what about you? Where can people? Where can so they can get a hold of you at that email address? Where, where, yeah. where can they hear more of your stuff? Uh, well, you can hear my, uh, my two podcasts, uh, Comics with My Kids, and uh, the '60s Reboot Podcast over on the EMC Podcast Network, which is the EMCPod.net forward slash or backslash i can't remember which one it is that slashy looking thing on your keyboard uh yeah. 60s reboot <laughs> you can also find my my uh ramblings and my uh jokes on my twitter site which is uh, at 60s reboot and um let's see you can find our pod my podcast on stitcher Castbox, all the podcast catchers and then like i said my next guest on the next uh 60s reboot is actually uh jasper and everybody, you guys should know by now, but hey, I've been Randall, Randall Sylvie, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Randall Sylvie. Check out RandallSylvie.com for basically a rundown of everything I'm involved in at any given moment. And uh, that commercial that Jerry mentioned earlier, Pod Edit, uh, that's for a website in which you can uh, you can hire me to do uh, basically whatever kind of podcast production you need or whatever you need assistance with on podcasting. I can do that. Go to podedit. It's P-O-D-E-D-I-T dot com. And you can find more Grolic's Cinematic Universe as well as our sister, brother, mother, uncle show. <laughs> it's very incestuous. Uh, Grolic's Podcast at Podcast dot com. G-R-A-W-L-I-X podcast dot com. And we're all over the 
social media. So you guys are tired of hearing me talk about stuff now. So I'll just leave it at that. Next episode. I actually don't know what's coming up yet next episode. So it'll be a big, big, big fat surprise. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say that. (laughs) Next episode is a big fat surprise. I don't know yet. We don't have it set up yet. But the episode after that. We'll be talking more slasher movies because we'll be uh, doing Friday the 13th parts 4 through 6 for uh, the December 13th uh, week. The week of December 13th. So, yeah. Till then, everybody. Oh, it's November. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Think about, think about, you could be in space with the leprechaun, but you're not. Be thankful. You, you could have watched these movies. You could have been a guest on this show and then have to buy Leprechaun 4 in space, <laughs> but you didn't. Be thankful. <laughs> For $2.99, uh, Leprechaun 4 could be yours. Dude, I mean, it, that's pretty cheap to own. Like, you, that's not a rental. You own it, right? Yeah, I, I own it. $2.99 is pretty cheap. Even, that's pretty cheap for a purchase. So uh, that should tell you something. That should tell you something about it. Mr. Kowals has got to go over there and pull out Mr. Snake and go take a leak on them. I mean, you know what? You, you, that, that whole scene is what sparked the Leprechaun War. <laughs> Believe it or not. Is it? Yes. There was one time I was out. This, 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 I'm, 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 I'm trying to keep, keep, keep it keep it simple here. Um, but I was out defending a home in uh, one of my favorite towns in Lincoln, Nebraska. And um, uh, these two drunk guys come up. And now one of the things us gnomes have to be is we have to be completely still when whenever there's uh whenever there's people around because we, we people aren't supposed to know that we exist. And uh, this drunk idiot who was some kind of drunk Irishman came by and started taking a leak and he hit me right on my gnome hat. So of course that caused me to twitch and get angry and I ended up fighting the guy and little did I know that he was actually a leprechaun. But that's a, <laughs> that's another story entirely. It's like the reverse of this. This movie hits home for me just a little bit. Jerry, if, if people aren't supposed to know gnomes are alive, appearing on podcasts is probably not the best idea. <laughs> well, it's okay because this is an audio medium. Oh, they can't see you move, so they're not going to actually believe you that you're a gnome. Exactly. I can be like that Travelocity guy. <laughs> Justin. Justin the gnome. Yeah. Oh, is that just, Justin? Justin the gnome? Yeah, you know it's Justin. He's my, he's my second cousin oh, okay. on, my, on my mother's side. He's got her beard, by the way. <laughs>